Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Reggie Wilson and I were both at Vikings minicamp yesterday. We'll tell you what we saw on today's Minnesota football party. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next-level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in. Happy Wednesday. It's the mailbag edition of the Minnesota Football Party. I'm Sam Ekstrom, part of the Ron Johnson Show and the Minnesota Football Party and Minnesota Sports Rankum here on the network. Happy that you joined us today, and I'm happy that Reggie Wilson is here as well. He's the CARE 11 Sports Director and Anchor. He is at Reggie Wilson TV on Twitter, and he was at Vikings Mandatory Minicamp yesterday. Reggie, it's good to see you, my friend. Hey, good to see you too. It's always fun when we run into each other out there in Egan. Uh, no shortage of things to talk about today. Yeah, we were we were practically elbowing each other trying to get <laughs> space to get a video of Justin Jefferson yesterday, who showed up for the first time, and it came on a an interesting day for Justin in the media because he was also the subject of a Bill Barnwell story, where Barnwell wonders if Justin Jefferson could someday become the goat wide receiver <gasps> of all time. Gasp. Jaw on the floor. Oh my Could goodness. he pass Jerry Rice? Um, we got Vikings OTA takeaways, of course, and we will answer your fan questions, many of them coming in related to yesterday's and not OTAs, um, mini camp. Also, it says OTAs on the little uh the little new rundown we have on the right side. That's an editorial mistake. It's mini camp, it's mandatory mini camp. Uh it kind of feels the same. Practice doesn't look different, but it's called a different thing. It's all very um we are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more at fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Uh let me start with the the question of the day. You can leave your response uh, in the comments section here on YouTube. Could Justin Jefferson be the GOAT someday? Could he be the greatest receiver of all time? The GOAT. Um, he is through the first three years, Reggie. It is undeniable that Justin Jefferson is the best third year going into his fourth year receiver of all time. Can you deny it, Reggie? No, I was just telling one of my friends uh, yesterday how blessed we are, how grateful we are to cover someone of Jefferson's talent. He's literally gotten better every year. <laughs> He's been in the league. Look at that. His stats are insane. 88 catches for 1,400 yards as a rookie. That's that's incredible as a rookie. The next year, you're like, okay, how can he top that? 108 yards or 108 catches for 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns. You're like, wow, he can't, he can't possibly do better than that. Uh, maybe he can. The next year, he has, this past season, 128 catches for 1,800 yards. Like, the dude is incredible. 
and he just seems to keep getting better and better each and every year. Like this might be the the best three-year start to a career for a receiver that we've ever seen. Okay, so that begs the question, and Bill Barnwell wrote about this at ESPN. I think it's ESPN Plus. You got to pay for it, but it's a good it's a good article and a good talker. Could he be the goat? And the goat in Bill Barnwell's estimation is Jerry Rice. I know that local fans want it to be Moss, and I still think that Peak Moss is better than Peak Rice. But these are the Jerry Rice numbers, Reggie: twenty-two thousand eight hundred ninety-five yards, <laughs> one hundred ninety-seven touchdowns. He played until he was 42. He played from 1985 to 2004. That's 20 seasons. Like, stop this it, is man. A, this is quite a nugget from Bill Barnwell's story. Jerry Rice racked up 9,620 receiving yards after his age 32 campaign. That is a great career for a lot of guys. 9,620 yards, and Rice had that after he was age 32 and played for another decade. That doesn't happen anymore at this position. Now, Justin Jefferson will have, Reggie, the benefit of an extra game per Mm -hmm. season and maybe two extra games per season at some point if the NFL goes that way. So over his career, he might play like like kind of a bonus season of games. So there's one element. More of a pass-happy league. Uh, Second element, receivers are a little more protected. But trying to reach those statistical benchmarks. uh, So if we say that Rice has 23,000 yards, Jefferson currently has almost five. So he needs another 18,000 yards. Can we do some quick math on this? So if he averaged 1,500 yards a season, Reggie, that's a healthy total he would need to play 12 years at that level to match Jerry Rice. That's a pretty big ask. Jerry Rice is the best receiver to ever play the game. I I just contend that. Like, Randy Moss was incredible. I've got his stats pulled up here. His first year in the league. And I say, you know, Justin Jefferson might have had the best three years to start a career by any receiver we've ever seen. Oh, Randy Moss is like <laughs> 69 catches, 1,300 yards, 80 catches, 1,400 yards, 77 catches, 1,400 yards. First three years, he goes 17 touchdowns, which is insane. 11, drop off. Wow. And then 15, like averaging double-digit touchdowns his first four years in the league. And then the sixth year, he gets 17 touchdowns again. Like, okay. Okay. I found this on the web. Okay. Even Siri is talking crazy. Talk talking <laughs> crazy to me this come morning. Come on, Siri. Like, come on. But I, I just think it's really tough. When you think about Jerry Rice, you think of longevity. But it's not just that he played for a long time. He was great for a mm-hmm. long time, which is why he continued to play for a long time. You know, you would like to think that Justin Jefferson would keep these numbers up for the next decade plus, but you just never know in the league. You know, it's a it's a crazy sport. It's a brutal sport. He has had the luxury of staying healthy for the biggest part of his career. I know 
there was that scary training camp thing where people were like, oh no, what just happened? And he was just like, no, 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 I'm good. We're we're good. Let's let's keep it playing. And he is on a trajectory. One thing I think I would like to see is more gritties. I don't think he scores enough touchdowns. Yeah. That that is my legitimate gripe. And I don't think it's necessarily his fault, but there should be a little bit more of a concerted effort to get him the ball in the end zone because he is a, a dynamic player. He does have a nose for the end zone, but he had double digit touchdowns uh in 2021 he had 10 but he only had eight last year he had all those yards, 1800 yards last year but he only had eight touchdowns he only had seven touchdowns his rookie year let's get this dude some more touchdowns i uh i i will i will say that the vikings in his three years in the league are eighth ninth and sixth in red zone touchdown rate so they'd score when he's on the field He's often, though, a diversion, right, versus the target. And I think without Thielen, I think that has to change. I think Thielen was kind of the fallback guy because he was so good in the red zone, and I think Jefferson's going to become now the primary target, regardless, diversion or not, he's going to get the ball uh, down there for sure. 25 yeah. career touchdowns through the year. Not bad, but not Randy Moss-like no. by any means. You're right. Yeah, Cooper Cup him. You know, like, you know how that year that Cooper Cup was going for the Triple Crown, it was just like, mm -hmm. he can't keep doing this. And then every game is like, oh, he scored another touchdown. It's like, Justin Jefferson is just as good, if not better, than peak Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah. And so, feed him. Feed him. <laughs> KLC was the head coach when Cooper Cup had that crazy season. Like, you saw the blueprint. You got a receiver who is a generational talent. Feed him. Feed him. I, I would expect Jefferson to get something like 15, 16 touchdowns this year at least. Yeah, Jefferson last year at 128 receptions, which was league leading. And even with that, Reggie, didn't we still walk away sometimes thinking, yeah, he got shut down. Man, he disappeared for a couple quarters. Yeah, he throwing in the ball like there's yep. still some meat left on the bone, and I know yep. you can't always have your way. The defenses are going to dictate that, um, but there might still be levels that he can rise to. I think there might be one more ascension uh, before there has to be an eventual plateau. Well, how how many be. times how many times did we see last year, and and even uh, in the years under Zimmer as well? You know Jefferson be he'd be on his way to like 200 plus yards in the air. He'd have like a hundred plus yards in the first half alone. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half, they're like, okay, did, did they forget that he existed or, you know, right. then, you know, we'd ask after the games and they're like, well, you know, the double teams, you know, teams switched up their coverages and X, Y, Z happened. And, you know, they started playing Justin a little differently, so it kind of took away some of the things we wanted to do. Like, no, that, that can't be an excuse. Not for a guy like that. Get him the ball. Watch him work. Like, as you said, left some meat on the bone. Like, last year, we thought that he was well on his way to 2K through the air, and he should have had double-digit touchdowns as well. But there was a, a little part of the season where it was just like, whoa, okay, they – okay. They they need to uh, make a little bit more of a concerted effort to get him the ball. 
Um, we've got Justin Jefferson questions as well from the fans, including a new tattoo. We'll get to that after I remind you that we're brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Unfortunately, you can't bet hockey there anymore because the season's over. The Vegas Golden Knights are champions. You can't bet basketball there anymore uh, because the Nuggets are champions. But there are still hundreds of ways to wager because they've got every line from every sport. That includes Major League Baseball. If you're like me, you're a golf nut. The U.S. Open betting is wide open right now. You can get those futures down on the U.S. Open, which starts tomorrow at FanDuel.com slash locked on. They've got great promotions at FanDuel, including the no sweat first bet for new customers. Get up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Why not? Give it a shot. The no sweat first bet. There's so much to like about the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid instantly when you win. So sprint to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Claim your no sweat first bet if you're a new customer and wager today. It's FanDuel. Make every moment more. Let's dive into the questions, Reggie, and we'll talk about what we saw at OTAs. Dustin Roberts wondering if JJ has a new leg tattoo. I think he does. Someone pointed that out to me. I think that's true. Um, that's all I know. That's all I know about it. I don't know. I have no intel on the tattoo, the origin, what it even is. Uh, we did talk to Justin Jefferson yesterday, Reggie. I was not looking at his legs, though. I was just trying to hear him. Um, there were so many people gathered around Justin Jefferson what was there one kind of takeaway quote that you that you had from that press conference with JJ? So what was funny was he <laughs> look, and I said this on the 10 o'clock news last night. I'm like, look, take from it what you will. I'm just reporting what he told us. But he was just like, Yeah, you know, I, I had a lot going on, you know, with some marketing and endorsement deals, and you know, I'm I'm really busy and like when he was like asked to kind of like pin down what it was, he was just like, Oh man, so many things, so many things that I'm, that I'm involved with. Like you wouldn't believe so many things. And it was just like, okay. All right. Yeah. And it was funny because he had like three to four minutes of prep with my guy, Sam Newton, just, you know, they were talking for a long time. I'm like, all right, all right, Sam, let him go. So he can come talk to us now. Uh, we're just standing here in the sun, just waiting to talk to Justin Jefferson. Let's speed this up. And so, like, you you know, you could tell that, you know, he had his talking points, what he could, what he couldn't say. You know, he, he didn't want to talk too much about the whole contract situation. But you are probably born yesterday if you don't think that the contract didn't have at least a little bit to do with him not being, I get it. He's going into his fourth year, his vet years, as he said yesterday, but usually Jefferson is present for everything. Like he's there yeah. all the time, whether it's off season, whether it's voluntary, whatever, Justin Jefferson is like the ultimate team player. He's there for everything. He's out in the community he he does he's not one that that you know spends time away from Minnesota when it's like team time. And so that was a different type of an answer from him to say, hey, I had a lot going on. I don't really feel like I, I missed out on too much. Yeah. That was, that was I was like that was oh. a nod quote, I thought. 
I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you didn't feel like you missed out on too much. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, fine. It was good to have you back, brother. But it was an interesting um, – I don't know that it was like a, a like a tense moment, but there was a little bit of palpable, you know, excitement, if you will, wondering if – because we were all looking at the, the door as players were coming out of the building. We're like, okay, mm-hmm. are they coming? Are they coming? And Jefferson just kind of like casually strolled out, like, like, you know, nothing to see here. But then when he got to the practice field, you know, you saw him like kick up his heels, like it's good to be back. And uh, he he found Jalen Rager and they started dancing a little bit. Like, you know, the excitement was there that he was there. But yeah, some interesting comments from him in that big old scrum that we were in yesterday. Yeah, I do appreciate that he showed up and actually participated. I thought that he would show up and maybe just watch. Um, I respect that he had the helmet on. He was in the drills. I think he was lightly used during 11-on-11s, but he was involved. Um, so props to him for that, for not kind of doing the full-on, uh, hold, not not a hold-out, but a hold-in, as they say, where you're there, but you're not doing anything. I, I, I thought the quotes were just a little bit like, yeah, we're not on Mars here, man. Like, you can... You can be transparent. We understand. Like, and and I I was surprised that he went that route and didn't kind of just you can you can talk about contracts respectfully and delicately and say, hey, like I'm really happy to be here. Um, I missed my guys. I didn't want to miss this. Um, my representation is handling all the contract stuff, and hopefully we can work something out. But it's not my main focus. I I, I think that he could have gone that route instead of kind of downplaying and and saying oh, I've been so busy with marketing i've been so busy with all my off-field endeavors and is it was you know it it is what it is but i didn't think it was like the world's greatest pr spin of a press conference um someone asked and let me make sure i get their name right uh vikings voice percent chance jj is not extended by training camp i think we all assume that he will be but uh, we don't really know how Quasi operates with these long-term Whopper deals. What do you think, Reg? Percent chance he's not extended in the next six or so weeks? Five percent. Okay. I just don't see it. I just don't see a world where he's not extended by. Like by the time, maybe even even maybe like the first couple days of training camp. If it doesn't get done before then, the first couple days of training camp, we're talking about this deal getting done. It's just a matter of when. And I don't think that it's, it's weird. Cause it's like, he has two years left on his deal, you know, with this last year of the rookie contract and the option year. And you're like, well, like they don't necessarily have to do anything, but if he's eligible, just give, like, don't even get into this whole thing of, you know, don't turn him into a D like we see what's happening with Stefan Diggs and we saw how he kind of just tweeted his way out of Minnesota uh, a few years ago. And it worked out so well, like you might've, you might've replaced one hall of fame receiver with, with another. And that next receiver might even be better than the guy who was responsible for the Minneapolis miracle. And that's saying something. I think Stefan Diggs is an incredible receiver. Mm-hmm. But 
he didn't have the type of start to his career like Justin Jefferson has. And you don't want to mess with it, you know? Like, what are the odds that you go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers? What are the odds that you go from Stephon Diggs to Justin Jefferson? And it's like, you don't want to tempt it. Like, don't don't mess around here. Like, I know you're in this, like, competitive rebuild and all that stuff, but, like, you want to keep this guy happy. He has been, like I said, ultimate team guy, like, always gracious with his time, you know, talks to the media, always in the community doing just cool things like, I think last month or something like that, he gave away laptops in the community. He was back for that. And you don't want to turn, I mean, it's so easy. And it's such a stereotype too. It's like these diva wide receivers. I don't think that that is necessarily in Justin Jefferson's like DNA. I just think he's a, he's just a, a really good guy. And, and he, he cares about what he cares about. He cares about being great, but, Ultimately, he's not like a, hey, me, 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 me. You know, it's all about me, Terrell Owens type, you know, type of a wide receiver. But then again, you just don't want to poke the bear, you know. So I I just I think it's like zero to five percent chance that it doesn't get done because you want to keep that guy happy and you want to keep that guy here in Minnesota for as long as you can. Yeah, there's an evolution to these things, right? And and Stefan Diggs went through the evolution, comes to Minnesota, very quiet, humble, um, works his way to a point where he is one of the best receivers in football, works his way to a point where he, get, he gets paid. And the, the cliched mo money, mo problems is a thing. Everybody wants a piece of you, right? You've got all this wealth. You've got all this fame. And things change. Like we asked Ron Johnson this question. We say, how does Justin Jefferson not like let the money change him? And Ron Johnson was like, no, he's going to change. Like, don't become a jerk, um, but you are going to change. You're going to have nicer things. Um, you're going to have people that want money from you. You're going to have people that you want to help with that money. Um, and some people you don't want to help with that money, but there are going to be major changes, right? Um, and then you reach a point, I assume, where you probably get a little desensitized to the money. Like it becomes the new normal. And then all the other stressors that, that becomes what matters, right? Like then it's okay. I've got my, my money. I've got this status. Now I just want to win. Now I just want, like, I want to be in a good situation where I'm respected and I can win. Um, And that's where you've seen historically players get disgruntled, including Stefan Diggs, but not limited to Stefan Diggs. Randy Moss was the same way. Right. Like this has happened many times in history with wide receivers and other positions, too. Um, So I think that I think it's going to there's going to be a honeymoon period still with Justin Jefferson. I think that this deal gets done. I think like you, I think it's about 10 percent that it doesn't get done by training camp. I don't think the Vikings have many uh, areas where they're going to haggle about this contract because they can't. They have no leg to stand on. What are they going to say? You haven't been productive enough. You haven't done it for long enough. You haven't been healthy enough. You haven't been a good enough citizen. No, they have no grounds to argue against uh, Justin Jefferson. So I think that he's going to get paid a ton of money, and I think the Vikings will give it to him willingly. Uh, and I think that that does get done by training camp, and I think that everything's going to be going to be nice. I do wonder about like 
whether Justin Jefferson's concerned about the future because he might be losing this consistent quarterback, Reggie, that's gotten him the ball for four straight years now. Um, and he's kind of seeing this kind of rebuild going on around him. Do you think that would weigh on Justin Jefferson at all? I can think of maybe like 70 to 80 million reasons why uh, he'd be okay. No, honestly, though, that is a good question, though, because look, if Kirk just sets the league on fire this year and he's just otherworldly because he's another year more comfortable in the offense and he's just like spreading it around 4,500 yards through the air, 40 touchdowns, eight interceptions or something like that. Like that's an MVP type season from Kirk Cousins. And I think that kind of forces the Vikings hand. They're like, oh, shoot, we got to pay this dude. Like we can't let this dude walk. Dang it, man. But what's interesting about that is, is if they do decide to move on from Kirk Cousins, like these quarterbacks these days, they're coming into the league like expected to be the guy already. Like I was watching yesterday, apparently Bryce Young and his connection with Adam Thielen in Carolina is already really good. And so, and Thielen is like, yeah, this dude, this dude's the real deal. And so you kind of look at guys who are ready, like there's no like, Hey, we're drafting a guy to sit, you know, for a season and learn like Patrick Mahomes did, or, you know, some of these other guys have had the luxury of doing Jordan love. You know, we'll see what he looks like this year, but these guys are getting drafted to play. You know, Anthony Richardson was thought to be a developmental guy, you know, because he only really had one good year of starting football, but He's taking reps with the ones in Indy right now. They're ready to let him loose. You know, Jalen Hurts had a year to sit behind Wentz, but they let him like now these quarterbacks are 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 expected to be ready made to come into the league and excel. But what we've seen is like, you know, there's going to be growing pains and all that. And there's going to be times where, you know, they're. There's going to be a a concerted effort to get the ball into the playmakers' hands, but their heads are spinning largely out there. And, you know, they'll have their one guy that, you know, they'll try to make. I remember when Cam Newton first came into the league and his rookie year was pretty phenomenal. And he had Steve Smith and their connection was pretty good. But he he later became, you know, the type of quarterback that was able to spread things around and and really be that all-around quarterback that, Carolina needed him to in that MVP season but that's gonna be tough man like you know with Kirk like he's been in the league he knows what to do he knows how to get the ball into Justin Jefferson's hands he has done it the last three seasons and there's so many unknowns you know they can draft a quarterback who turns out not to be very good they could take a chance on a Mm -hmm. on a quarterback who's younger who doesn't have the skill set of a Kirk Cousins or or maybe you know, does does Justin Jefferson like can he afford to have an off year because his quarterback is still figuring things out? Like that's a, that's a lot for him to consider, and that's a great question by you, Sam. Yeah, all I do is ask great questions, Reggie. That's just that's, <laughs> that's my style. No, uh, we've got some some truly great questions coming at us on Twitter about what we saw at mini camp yesterday. I may have said OTAs a couple times on this show, and I'm sorry about that. I can't shake it. I can't shake it. Before we get to that, uh, make sure to check us out on Sirius XM, the SXM app, where you can find all the Lockdown Sports Minnesota programming, Ron Johnson show, 
Minnesota Football Party, Minnesota Sports Rankum as well. You can also hear the hometown broadcasts on the SXM app. That includes the Twins Brewers this afternoon at 12:10, a matinee. Twins trying to sweep the Brew Crew after a drama-filled walk-off last night by Carlos Correa, a bomb in front of 34,000 people to send them into euphoria. That was awesome. Twins try to sweep them today. The SXM app, you can hear Corey Provis on the call for the Twins. All right, question coming in from Nate. If they do deal Daniil Hunter, what has the edge rotation looked like in OTAs so far? Um, it has been DJ Wanham as the replacement for Daniil. It's been Wanham and Davenport. Sometimes, Reggie, uh, they've moved Davenport inside, too. They put him on that in that three-man front on the defensive line, put his hand in the ground, and then they bring uh, Patrick Jones out there. So it's the two you'd expect. It's, it's Wanham and it's Jones. The guy that I've seen a little bit of the last couple of weeks, though, working in with kind of the, the second grouping is Andre Carter, the, the rookie undrafted free agent from Army. A lot of people have projected him as a project, someone that they're going to basically redshirt for a year, maybe even be on the practice squad if they can sneak him through. I don't know, Reg. They're, they're using him as if they think he's a piece. So far, it's early. So far, Andre Carter... Uh, has been on the field uh, with the ones on occasion. So I, I that's kind of been the one intrigue to me with that defensive end rotation or edge rusher. Yeah, and I think they're at the point now where it's it's mini camp. It's early. You're like, what do we have to lose? Let's throw him in there, see what he can do. Especially when Hunter is not there, you're just like, oh, maybe let, see if we can get some looks and see if maybe we can convince ourselves that we can – we can be okay without Daniil being there. And I look, I am in this camp and I understand what the Viking salary cap deal is. I understand that. I understand that there's a goal to extend Jefferson and, and all that. I, I understand that. But there's part of me, I was reading a, an article from Florio, and he is kind of a polarizing force here in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. uh, but he is a Vikings fan. Like, he's he's let that be known. He's a Vikings fan. And so he's he, he kind of has a little bit more of a scrutinized eye. But he was just like, a year after running it back, the Vikings are tearing it down. I don't know if you saw that, that article, I Sam. Did. But – it was interesting in what he had to say because he's just like, yeah, like they peaked early and it, it almost kind of ruined the plan to just kind of, he compared it to the, the four-year plan that Cleveland had where they were just accumulating picks and accumulating picks. And we saw that they, you know, eventually turned some of those picks into, you know, into some great players and also were, were able to turn some of those picks into, getting Deshaun Watson. But the tough part about that is, is like the Wilfs want to contend. And I don't know that they are just all the way cool with just tanking. And you see, you know, even without Dalvin Cook, this offense is still dynamic. You, you still have some incredible weapons across the field. You drafted Jordan Addison as well. He hasn't seen much of the field yet, but you expect that he's going to be a difference maker on game days, week in and week out. So you have some building blocks in place, but 
it just looks really incomplete. And when you talk about the whole competitive rebuild thing, I think this is what it looks like. But I think from a fan perspective and from just a, a media coverage perspective, it, it just looks super disjointed. You're like, oh, okay, so you're, you're going to be cool with, you know, going in with without having Daniil Hunter with the, just for the sake of, you know, getting picks. And I understand like, oh, if, if you deal Daniil and maybe you recoup a one from that, maybe you can use that one with your other one and trade up to get in prime position to get a, a, a franchise quarterback in the draft mm. next year. I understand that, but it's like, you're still sacrificing Justin Jefferson in his first five words to us yesterday. He's like, yeah, we're, we're trying to win a super bowl here this season. And that's what I'm trying to be a part of. It's like, you got super bowl expectations, but you seem to be tearing the, the, the roster down a little bit like I just don't know in what world getting rid of Daniil Hunter I don't know in what world getting rid of a guy like Dalvin Cook you necessarily get better but I mean I I, I could be surprised you know maybe there's faith in Brian Flores I think I was talking to my co-worker Will yesterday and I was thinking like man if they do deal Daniil maybe it's a situation where they aren't necessarily just relying on the pass rushers to get home. Maybe, you know, because Flores has some exotic things that he does on game days. And maybe that's something that he's doing. Like, he's like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll rush Byron Murphy. You know, I may throw Asamoah with his speed on the edge one time and, and rush him. You know, I may put Harry in the box and rush him. You know, like, he may have some plans like that as opposed to just relying on the pass rushers to get home all the time. And maybe that can work. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know, they're, they're much smarter guys, football minds than we are. So I trust that they know what they're doing, but it's hard to look at what they have done this off season and think, Oh, you're not rebuilding, but you know, you still got all these great pieces in place, especially on the offensive side of the ball where you're like, Oh, okay. Well, uh, what is this a nine win team? Is this an eight win team? Or do you think you can win 13 again? Like, I think it's a very confusing situation. Yeah, it's, it is hard to take the Super Bowl proclamations seriously. I don't think it's a teardown, as Florio might have said. I've, I've said that there's, there's a difference between a teardown and kind of a revamp. Um, and, and this is not a teardown. A teardown is when you are trading every piece for max value, ripping it to the studs. I don't think it's that. I mean, I think there is kind of a pseudo expectation that this offense can carry the team to contention. I think that's totally realistic. You can justify some of these moves based on age, based on, you know, fiscal sense. Patrick Peterson, for instance, you know, aging guy, probably couldn't bring him back. Eric Hendricks and Adam Thielen, very expensive. Uh, Dalvin Cook, very expensive for his position. I get all that. It, it gets murky to me with these pass rushers, with the Zedarius decision and now this Daniil uh, trade rumor. That is curious to me, why you would intentionally weaken an already bad defense and put it behind such an eight ball that it's going to be hard to really manage any kind of traditional pass rush. I will say, Reggie, and you were out there yesterday, it, it is so much more aesthetically pleasing to watch this defense do its thing, even in a mini camp setting, 
flooding the line, showing these eight-man fronts and dropping guys in coverage, moving around a third safety in the box, Josh Metellus as a wild card, which leads me to the question from Dustin here. Should we be worried that Seen, Lewis Seen, isn't taking the most snaps with the first team if he is, in fact, full go? Um, this has been a weekly concern, Reggie, of, of folks hearing that Lewis Seen is healthy, but he's not playing with the ones. I don't think that concerns me, though, that he's not with the ones because I think Cam Bynum was always the guy. I think Bynum was the guy last year. Remember, Seen was healthy and, and Bynum won the job. Right, He beat out Scene fair and square, won that job, and I think that was always going to be the case again this year. I think that Bynum is your incumbent, and it's going to take a little bit to knock him off the perch. If there's a concern, it would be that he can't play the Metellus role, that Metellus has seemingly hopped over him in the pecking order, and that Scene isn't finding a way on the field in a lot of these three safety looks. Take it with a grain of salt, though, Reggie, because KOC has said that the competitive part of this roster building process doesn't really start until training camp. So there's plenty of time for that to change. But right now, scene is clearly, I think, the fourth safety in the rotation. And it's tough. And especially, I, I get the question from a fan perspective too, especially when Quasi before the draft was talking about how much he feels like he has, you know, high expectations for his inaugural draft class. And, you know, he talks about like, hey, we got all these players last year that we believe in, that we think can make a difference in the NFL and for this football team. And you're like, okay, like, fine. And then when you see scene kind of, I mean, people were talking about it last year. Like, why is he out there on special teams, on kickoff return when he breaks his leg? And now, you know, he's not running with the ones, but it is early and he is coming off a very devastating injury as well. So I say maybe watch what happens, you know, second week of training camp as these preseason games go along, how he's utilized before we start making, you know, any judgments. But it is concerning, I guess, from a fan perspective, knowing that he came from this Georgia football team that. You know, he was a, a starter for that team and looked like a guy that you can just take, you can just pluck from Georgia and just place right into your starting defensive backfield and and let him work. And but it was also a thought that maybe he was like the heir apparent to Harry. And if that is the case, then there is a little bit of leeway there for him to kind of, you know, learn the defense learn how to be a pro and then maybe you know there is a such thing as a late bloomer sometimes and i know now in the what have you done for me lately and the instant gratification and you know justin jefferson coming into the league his rookie year setting the league on fire and we've seen all these rookies come in and produce right away i think there is a, a form of of you know thinking where you're like well why isn't he coming in and doing it especially if he was thought to be a ready-made player Sometimes it just takes a bit. All right. We'll close with this. Um, Reggie, I want you to give the play-by-play of Kurt Cousins' fateful interception yesterday. And after you're done watching this show, you can go watch the Kurt Cousins trailer uh, for the new Netflix documentary 
It's called Quarterback, and it premieres July 12th. They follow Mahomes, Cousins, and Mariota. And I just as we've been talking, I watched the first few seconds, and it is heavy on Kirk Cousins. So uh, I'm actually very, very excited to watch this show. Reggie, Kirk didn't make a great play yesterday. What happened? So we're going to do this. I mean, if you want, I, I, I'm putting it out there that Kirk made made a bad play. Do you do you want to be the one to narrate through it, or am I going to be the He's one been getting cooked this offseason, man, yeah. and it, it didn't help his case. No, you go, go ahead and walk it through, Sam. Go ahead. Okay. All we, right. we saw it together. We saw it together. Um, we won't, I mean, no, don't, uh, don't send this to Cam Jordan or Ryan Clark or, or the Madden people. I don't want them to get any more arsenal to, to rip, rip our guy, Kirk Cousins, our favorite quarterback. But, uh, it's, it's a, a one minute drill offense has to drive into field goal range to win the game. I think it's like second down, maybe first down. It was early in the series. Kirk Cousins drops back. Can't find a man downfield. Just uh, does a safe little dump off, a check down to Alexander Madison. But who was there in his way? But Jordan Hicks to pick him and end the game, winning it for the defense. Kirk Cousins, check downs, not, not good news. Um, and when you throw picks on a check down, I don't know, Reggie. It might be over. I mean, this might be the beginning of the end. How, how much can we overreact about this play? I don't know. It, it's so interesting, especially when you think about the the throwing short of the sticks in the Giants playoff game with the game on the line on fourth down. You're like, oh, my goodness, here we go. I think it's just innately in him, you know, like Alex Smith. He was always going to check that thing down, you know, and so I think Cousins, like, it's in him, even though Kevin O'Connell's offense emphasizes driving the ball down the field and you know all these different things like Kirk is the epitome of hey you can't go broke taking a profit you know even if it's fourth down and the game is on the line or whatever like if that happens in a game oh my goodness people are letting him have it but he literally threw it right to Jordan Hicks and it was so inexplicable. And, and the defense celebrated so hard. Yeah. And the Vikings had a nice little barbecue cookout yesterday. Well, Kirk was barbecue chicken. And <laughs> he had the Allen Iverson, the old school Allen Iverson jersey on. He encouraged the team to have Jersey Day yesterday. Yeah, Jersey Day. And so he was the guy who initiated the whole thing. And so they had a Jersey day. They had a cookout, you know, right, right outside of, of TCO stadium. They had some good food and all that. He had the Allen Iverson Jersey on yesterday, but Kirk was not the answer. To he was the practice. question. He was, the, was the he question. was Paul Pierce instead of Allen Iverson. He was not the answer. <laughs> um, Reggie in closing, give us the pitch. What's on. Care 11 tonight. What's on the news? Well, we're talking more mandatory minicamp. Uh, it was funny yesterday. Kevin O'Connell was like, All right, see you guys at training camp. And we're like, Wait, are we not allowed back tomorrow? What's going on? It's like, Oh, no, no, no. We won't talk to him again until training camp. But we are expected to hear from Kirk Cousins. I, I, I dare 
anyone to ask him about that interception he <laughs> threw yesterday. There's a lot of avenues we could go down with him. None of yeah. them. I mean, we'll, uh, we'll ask him about the Netflix thing. He might be yeah. happy to talk about that. Um, the Madden promo. Him, Madden Cam promo Jordan. getting buried. Cam Jordan. Yeah. I don't know if you watched the Ryan Clark comments. Those weren't very nice. Good Lord. He's just been getting cooked. So look, we'll have, we'll have whatever Kirk says, the best of what he says on care 11. Uh, we also have a uh, state baseball going on. They, they crown a champion on Friday, but we got semifinals today. State golf is going on. We got the twins trying to go for the sweep. So it, it's a, it's a good little, little sports thing. Oh, we got Aurora in action as well tonight. They're, they're trying to stay undefeated in their second season. So cherish the sports today, Reggie, because absolutely. they're slowly disappearing. Yeah, it's a little slow summer. burn. It's it's coming to it, you know, like that barbecue grill where you're like you're trying to get that last little meat on there before mm-hmm. before that charcoal just the propane's turns to ash. running out. Yeah, the yeah. charcoal. Yep. Yeah, that that's where we are right now. Yeah. All right. Uh tomorrow on the Minnesota football party should be a Luke Inman production with Luke Braun and Arif Hassan, Ron Johnson, the full crew on tomorrow's party. Uh, we'll talk about today's mandatory mini camp and I'll pose the question. If Kirk cousins gets hurt, are you willing to let Jaron hall be your quarterback all year? Oh, Lord. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. How's that for a tease, Reggie? That's how we do it. Uh, <laughs> he's Reggie Wilson at Reggie Wilson TV. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom comment below with your thoughts on mandatory mini camp and all the drama going on with Daniil Hunter. Find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts and tune into the Ron Johnson show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday with the round table and the Minnesota football party, as well as Minnesota sports rank them all of our shows. Thanks, Reggie. I'm Sam saying so long on today's Minnesota football party. Be blessed. Spread love. <laughs> <laughs>